you asked your goals for 2023. My goal, my like one big goal is to release this album that I've been working on for like years now. Um, and it's like, it's getting going. Like there, there is, there is that like interesting thing that happens whenever there's a new year that you suddenly are like, Oh shit. There's these goals that I have to (laughs) meet now because I like didn't do shit the last year. And it's just like every year it's just like, wait, no, what happened to these things? Um, or it's like the, just the motivation of like setting new goals and like striving to meet them. Uh, I do both extremes. (laughs) And so, yeah, like I really want to get this album out. And the more I've just like gone in meticulously, like making sure that all my stuff is in the right places and that I'm happy with it. I'm like, cool, it's going. And so, yeah, I made some progress even today by like contacting the drummer that I want to play on it. And so like, yeah, we're, that's in the works. So. And that's awesome. Honestly, creating an album is such an exhilarating feeling. And even the moment that it comes out, even the moment leading up to the album is such a crazy feeling because especially getting all of your content ready, your promotional content ready, going out and making the content. Mm-hmm. So right now I've got four albums out um, that, that are out that I've marketed and creating the artwork and the content for each one has been so different, but so exciting. And I'm honestly happy that you're getting to do this for this year because creating an album and having a, a body of work that you can share mm. as a group, like it, it's just such a liberating feeling. Yeah. So, yeah. So this is, this is going to nudge us in a direction. So I feel like because of the nature of, Spotify and like trending and TikTok and all that sort of stuff that like the idea of the album seems to like be going away for some reason. Do you, do you agree with that? And how do you feel about it? Would you rather be an artist that just drops single, 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 or do you want to have like, Hey, this is a whole like unit of things that like needs to be consumed as this full. So this is actually a topic that I discuss in my podcast. And I personally think that right now in in our current environment, singles are obviously the thing Mm -hmm. Um, just because of the way that Spotify works. For example, you can only pitch a single at a time every two or three weeks, which sucks, but that's just how their process works. And Right now, everybody knows that playlisting is like the big, the big thing. If you get your track playlisted, more more than likely you'll get your music heard. But I personally, when I first started, I did two singles and then I dropped my first album. I did my second album right after that. I did like four singles. I did one EP, my third album, and then a fourth album. And I personally believe that you should do an album if you're trying to get a vibe across a certain vibe. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason why I say that is when you start producing, um, let's just say you started producing, um, your, your album today, right? Mm-hmm. What you feel over the next 10 months, let's just say is almost similar, but you're going to, it's like a roller coaster, mm-hmm. right? But you're going to be experiencing different things. And what I tell people is that produce 10 tracks straight, those 10 tracks have a similar vibe. I mean, if you're producing lo-fi music, 
like a hundred lo-fi tracks, they're all going to be lo-fi and one's not going to be dubstep. One is not going to be house or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're going to keep this similar vibe, mm-hmm. but produce a certain body of work and just put that out, like just the 10 tracks or whatever that could be your album, but get enough out to where you have uh, stickiness. So you want to have, and we've talked about this before, at least in my opinion, 52 tracks mm-hmm. available. This will let somebody know that you have work out. Mm -hmm. And so if you can release an album, at least, uh, at least 40 minutes of music, in my opinion, something that somebody can play and listen to all the way through, I think that can let them know what your sound is about. And having singles is nice and it's very important, but you want to at least have some body of work if you expect to go anywhere. And so producing, in my opinion, produce a few albums for sure. But right now, like my goal for 2023 is to release singles, uh, like maybe a single every two to three weeks and not work on any album until the last four months of the year mm-hmm. uh, because I want to end the year off nicely, but I want it to also now increase my engagement. And the only way to do that is to do singles right now uh, so I can pitch every single track as they go. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just have to learn how to work the game, but you need to have music out for people to know what you're about. Yeah. And that's the that's the big conundrum I was dealing with last year, right? Of like, I really want to make stuff that I'm proud of, but then also if you're working so meticulously on it and you're not putting stuff out, then you're effectively not a musician. If people aren't seeing you and your things and that you make music, you're not a musician. (laughs) And, and, and I personally think that's fine. Sure. Sure. And and because, because, because again, you want to care only for yourself when it comes to your art, Mm. right? But you want to use others as feedback loops, Mm. right? So if I showed you my music, I'm not looking for a way to change my sound. I'm looking to see how you interpret my sound. Right. So everyone will interpret it differently, Mm. but you have to release music for interpretation to happen, to gather data because reaction is data. And so you putting out music will allow people to know how they feel mm-hmm. about it and let you know. And so you can see where they stand mm-hmm. because you have to think of releasing every time you release a track, imagine yourself in like this pitch black world and you have nothing but a lighter with no fluid. Mm-hmm. Every time you release a track, it's like a flick on the lighter. Mm-hmm. It illuminates your surroundings just for a second, but then it's gone. Mm-hmm. Every time you release a track, it's just a slight flash. Mm-hmm. Now imagine you releasing your song and every time you release it, it's that one flash, but you now have a point of data of where you last were because you can now see where you last were and how people felt about it. And if you have that first point of data and you keep on walking aimlessly producing or whatever, and then you get that next flick of light, you can now see where you were before and now where you're at now. Mm. But if you never release anything, you're never going to know. So you're going to be walking around aimlessly forever. Mm. And so I personally believe even if it's shit, release it so people can experience it. Because Mm. when people listen to music, they still react to it. And that's still listening. Mm. It might not be amazing. It might not be Flume or Deadmau5 or whatever, Mm. but it's still your creation. And people still react to it, whether it's good or bad. If somebody thinks it's great, it's a reaction. If somebody thinks it's bad, it's a reaction. Yeah. So you just have to get the reaction. That's all music is. And you learning how to produce, you have to be able to get enough reactions in order to formulate a proper song or data that you enjoy or that you can love and give. 
Yeah. And I, I want to clarify that like, it's that it's not so much that like you're not a musician. It's more that you're not perceived as, as the musician. musician. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, you can be a musician all day. You can sit on your guitar and like practice, you know, eight hours a day. But um, if you don't release anything, that's true. And that's why I believe that you should, even if it's content of you playing on YouTube or on Facebook or whatever, you have videos, you want to put something out. And that's what people are doing on TikTok, Instagram, things like that. They're posting up them playing, mm -hmm. but not a lot of them are producing the music and releasing it. But then you have the few that are producing it and they're catching on and they're getting millions of hits. Mm -hmm. That's because they've put in the work and they were already ready. Mm -hmm. So when it actually caught wind, they had the content to back it up. So, uh, you keep saying content and a lot of people have beef with the word content, uh, <laughs> uh, because it like takes the soul out of or whatever, you know what I mean? Like hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like content, art experience. What, what do you feel? <laughs> so, so I think everything, so th there's, there's two ways of living life, either consuming or creating. Mm. And if you're consuming something, it's content, mm -hmm. right? Because it is something that you are consuming. But if you're creating, it's different. I can create the content, mm -hmm. right? But the content is really just something that somebody else is going to experience, mm -hmm. right? Whether it be art, because it's vast. I mean, I, I literally, I paint, I do digital art, I do physical art, I do photography, film, I do all kinds of shit, right? Mm -hmm. And it's it's very hard for me to just kind of put everything in one because I have learned that if I like five different things, I'm going to find the five best things of each thing and then merge it into one, mm -hmm. right? So when I produce my, uh, my music jam videos, mm -hmm. I bring in my skill for from video editing and lighting and my film school experience with my music experience and then also my live performance experience and then I merge it together. But then I'll create my album artwork myself and do everything myself and enjoy every process of it. Mm -hmm. But that's all content once somebody else consumes it, right? Mm -hmm. I Everyone can create something, right? And I, and I think the reason why I say content is because it is a lot easier to produce and create things. Uh, in this age, you just have to want to do it. Sure. But then like, so then the difference becomes, it's like, what is it for? Right. Like, and so <laughs> when, when I visualize someone that like makes content, like they're doing it so that other people will see it and like eyeballs are the currency of today. Right. Like if, if people are seeing it, that means you are uh, potentially able to make money that you are potentially able to use your influence, whatever that means. But like as artists, we make stuff for ourselves. And so like, regardless of if people see it, like, I mean, yeah, uh, y'all know I put out an album by power cycle last year. It's called Hades. Uh, like, some people have listened to it. It has some plays on Spotify, but like no one's really checked it out. And granted, I like planned out the marketing in like a few days <laughs> and it was like, Hey, here you go. Here's an album. So like that's, that is partially on me, but also like, Hey, look, it's out there. Check it out. Uh, <laughs> but, but like what I'm saying is that like the, when we make stuff, we 
are doing it for ourselves and then we put it out to to get that spark right to to see where we are so like i don't know it how much of it is you wanting to be understood yeah so so the the biggest thing is the intention right so we want to find out what the intention of the whatever we're creating is Mm. so obviously if somebody's creating music they ask themselves am i doing it for the money am i doing it for the fame am i doing it for myself Mm -hmm. you want to first find out what that answer is Mm -hmm. right and you might not even know the answer right off the bat it took me almost 10 years to figure that out Mm -hmm. when i got to that point i was like okay i think i wouldn't mind other people seeing in on the process Mm-hmm. And at first I wanted to create a paywall. I will, sure. I will, I, I will admit that because yeah, that was what my mentality was. And it was actually my little brother that was like, why would you put a paywall behind it if you want it to grow? Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, you're so right. Mm-hmm. And that's when I made like 90% of my stuff free, like the, the sample packs and my tutoring and people hitting me up. Like, dude, I was like, dude, I will teach you mm-hmm. anything that you want. Yeah. Just ask me the question. Yeah. And that's because again, what we mentioned before, I want to lead people that direction. Right. Mm-hmm. And I have to find that fine line of selflessness and selfishness in my sound as well. Mm-hmm. Like I want people to hear the sound because I enjoy it. My good friend, he actually runs deep in heat records. And that's where my, my, the first record label that I ever released on, he told me, dude, if you enjoy it, you know that somebody else will be too. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's so true because I deeply enjoyed the music I was producing at the time and I was very uh, self-conscious about it and I didn't want to share it um, as much. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, anything that I can do to share the sound, I will do it because you're doing people a service. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's actually, um, I think it was the war, no, the art, no, the war of art. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing book mm-hmm. by Stephen Pressfield. And I recommend any artist to read that uh, if mm-hmm. they haven't already. But they, but he mentions that every artist is almost like an instrument to the muse. Like there's this imaginary pool of creativity that exists in this higher plane that us as people can siphon from. Mm-hmm. Right. And so siphoning this energy is our job. Mm-hmm. Being able to learn how to siphon that energy is our job as creatives is our job and it is our job to also create something tangible for those that cannot. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say create content because if you do not, you are not doing anybody else that consumes a service because there have been times dude, that people hit me up and this shit hits deep. People have told me that, yo, like this track that you made prevented me from doing X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And it's so powerful, but People were able to experience that because I took the time to learn and create that piece. Mm-hmm. Even if I thought it sucked at the time, there's some work out there that I'm not a fan of really that people still hit me up today and message me like, dude, this changed the way that I perceive things mm-hmm. and feel like it, it's so powerful yeah. in my opinion. So, yeah. What about when you're not getting feedback? <laughs> that's fine because I'm giving giving myself feedback is the first thing that I do because mm-hmm. I listen to my music over and over again for myself mm-hmm. and if something stands out to me that I don't enjoy I'll change it because yeah. if you listen to something a hundred times and it doesn't annoy you you know you're doing something right yeah. if you create the same drum loop and it annoys you after the third loop you're doing something wrong Yeah, you know <laughs> and so you, you want to fall into the groove that 
you're you're at the pace that you're at at the moment mm-hmm. and then create something yeah. and then enjoy it for yourself because it, it's like i tell people it's like creating dinner for yourself mm-hmm. instead of getting takeout it's like creating a meal you know exactly what went into it where you got the ingredients from how it was made mm-hmm. it might not taste amazing like the michelin three-star restaurant that you went to but you made that yourself and you can feel content about it and if you do it enough you can create something that is just as good as a michelin three-star restaurant sure I will utilize this metaphor to actually, it actually loops back into what we're talking about, which is like, uh, so I'm married and there's times where like, when I'm cooking for myself and my wife, I'm like trying to like make good stuff. I'm like, oh man, this is, this is going to be some good shit. Yeah. Right. (laughs) If like she's out or something and she's like hanging out with her friends or something. And it's just like me making dinner for myself. I'm like complete garbage, like (laughs) (laughs) just sustenance, just fuel. (laughs) Yes. Um, so there are definitely times where like you're motivated by giving it to someone else that like you make something better instead of just like, yeah, if I'm, if I'm home alone, I'm just like, uh, some fucking ramen. Like that's what it is, you know? <laughs> and that, and that's an amazing perspective. And that's why I tell people to surround themselves with people that they want to grow with. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause it, you become the, the, the five people that you're around the most. Right? right. And so if you're around people that are pushing you and then pushing themselves to become better, mm-hmm. you're going to want to do the same and you're going to want to give more than you receive yeah. and learning how to give allows you to feel that. And that's why I give the free lessons, the free sample packs, this or that, because I'd rather give more than receive because I already have everything that I want. When you can get rid of all that extra stuff that you don't need and that you cannot control and you can just focus on what you can control, you already have everything that you could have wanted. And that's why I was like, dude, I've, I've had everything that I wanted ever since five years ago, five years before that moment. I just never realized it. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that I felt like the biggest dumbass in the world, <laughs> like literally dude, it, it was almost like overnight that my perspective shifted, bro. And I became this from this depressed, like artist to holy shit, dude, like I'm like this own thing for myself. Like, because I stopped caring what other people wanted for the music. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't send my music to anybody anymore before. Every time I would finish a track, I would have like maybe 20, 30, 40 people, a list of people that I would send the music to, sure. right? And then personalize the messages. Dude, I don't send a single message out now. Mm. People will send me messages because they're interested. Mm. And I just try to give in return, right? I just give, give, give yeah. anything. If they have questions, if people are inspired by the sound, I'm like, yeah, dude, this is how I do it. This is how I do it. This is my process. Like, yeah, just hit me up anytime. Like, if you want to collab, send me your stuff. If you want feedback, send me your stuff. Like, dude, it's whatever. But I will give more than I receive because I have everything that I need. I don't need any more than I have. Yeah. Right. And when I realized that I stopped buying plugins, I stopped like <laughs> reaching out to people. Dude, like, I haven't bought a plugin in like five years. Dude. Awesome. You know, and <laughs> it's insane. Congratulations. <laughs> I know. I'm like, still buying shit. <laughs> yeah. no, there's a lot of people that can't say that, but I've, I've been using stock plugins and just basic things for a few years, you know, and it works for me. And the occasional time that I do add a new plugin in the mix, it just gives that track of different flair that it didn't have before. And so, yeah, I mean, just learn how to use your tools and do this all you need. Right. And honestly, I will say that like, if you have like more than 10 plugins, you have everything you need. Yeah. Like, and honestly, Ableton 11, like 
You have everything you need. Yeah, like, the stock is yeah, everything. The stock, it is so good. It is so like, not only is it just like easy, right? It's like simple interface, right? But it's also extremely powerful. Exactly. Right? And even Max for Live, uh, I don't know if yeah. you're familiar with that, but they have maxforlive.com where it's literally a plethora of just mm. user created plugins that are free. Mm. Sometimes you can pay a dollar or two to donate or whatever, but most of that stuff is free mm. and you can download it. I mean, there are EQs or delays, effects, all kinds of stuff, synths on there, even from stock Ableton creations. Like there are so many sounds like hundreds of different kind of tools that you can use mm. for free. Yeah. So, okay. Now, now we're going to get into some nitty gritties. So something that I pride myself on in my electronic production is that I, I try not to use presets as much as possible. And if I have a sound in my head, I try to just like build it. Yes. Uh, and so like, instead of, and yeah, there's definitely the times where you're like, you know, clicking through the yeah, seeing what's good. Yeah, but like, if I know if like you know the direction is is taking me, then I'm like, no, I know what this needs to go. So like, it's usually wavetable. Uh, yeah, I love I love wavetable. Um, and yeah, I'm just like, all right, cool. I know where this needs to go. I know what filter, I know what, like yeah. how many octaves or whatever. Like I'm just building it from scratch just cause like, and I think that every, every artist should get to that point. So if you want to become an artist that you can be proud of, mm -hmm. I personally think that you should eventually get to the point where you can build the sound mm -hmm. like that because it's very powerful. Splice is cool, but you cannot create something that's totally original you know, when you're using somebody else's loops. Rather, if you think about the sound as color, so let's just say that you find a loop, a drum loop, and you can envision in your head that it's yellow, mm -hmm. right? You can use that yellow and mix it with blue and then create something different, right? Mm -hmm. And so I try to think of music as colors. Anytime that I get a sample, I use Ableton's beat warp mode, for example, and mm -hmm. I, I'll always double the length and I'll reverse it and see what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. And then I'll change the beat warp mode um, like forward or like forward and back to like forward so I can get a choppy effect. Mm -hmm. And then I'll adjust the parameters to see what sounds good. Yeah. And then I'll mess with the fades and I'm like, okay, I like where this is going. Mm -hmm. And then I'll process the sound even more. Yeah. I try not to stay too stuck on every sound or every synth because in my head, anytime I hear a preset, it's a color like blue, green, orange, yellow. Like I'm, I'm like listening for the color and the sound, the timbre, like, you know, all of that. I'm like listening for it. And then when I find something that's in that similar ballpark, the starting point, that's when I'll adjust what I want, like too much effects, get rid of all the reverb, get rid of the delays. And then I'll find my MIDI play some few notes and then I'll render it to audio and then I'll destroy it. Mm -hmm. So Mr. Bill uh, is a really epic artist, totally worth listening to his music, but he produces some amazing glitch music. And one of the things that he had mentioned in one of his videos was redlining now versus redlining 10 years ago is not the same thing. Yeah. Right. Redlining now is an artistic choice rather than a mixing choice. Mm -hmm. And that literally that thought process blew my mind because I was always like, okay, it's redlining. All right, this sucks. I need to bring it down. Mm -hmm. But now I'm like, I purposely redline and then I'll use like a utility and then I'll bring the levels down mm -hmm. 
at the end of the chain. So then it keeps all of the harmonics and the distortion from the boost, but it's not blowing up the speakers. So when you stop thinking of audio as, okay, this is right or this is wrong, and just think of it as color and painting a picture, dude, the shittiest paintings are still works of art, yeah. right? Like, look at all the fine art, the classic art and all that stuff, dude. Like, it's most of the times it's scribbles, right? But it's still amazing it's unique right and that's and that's how you get to new places right that like it's it's artists doing the things that like everyone else was like no that's wrong and then it's like but i can make something interesting with it exactly. and so it's like fucking van gogh used like thick thick uh paint strokes yeah. right and then he just like made it a thing and it's like wow like that is Exactly. A, that build the standard like van gogh yeah build um, the standard and granted he was not famous uh <laughs> until after his death but like that that is kind of the thing is that like it took people time to even get that like oh no i do see the beauty in this instead of just seeing like how wrong quote unquote it is and so yeah i mean uh, more creative ways of mangling things. Uh, yeah, it, it's uh, one of the biggest analogies that I use all the time is music is like an ice sculpture. Your sound is like an ice sculpture. If you can chisel away at it enough, you will eventually get to a product that you enjoy. If you wait too long, it will melt. The inspiration will disappear. Mm. And so you always want to chip away at this block of ice slowly mm. because the first first bit of time that you spend on it is not going to obviously be the sculpture you want. Mm -hmm. You're taking the big chunks off first yeah. before you get to the precision work. So you have to do the legwork and get the sound to the general vicinity of where you want it before you start to use different effects. Like if your sound sounds flat, dude, throw some distortion on it, throw something on it, throw stereo widening on it, like double the layers and then like make one right pan and left pan. Mm -hmm. You can do so many things to create the sound in artificial way. There's no right way of creating a sound. Mm -hmm. I create a lot of drum sounds from reverb tails and cool. de delay tails. You know, I'll do a lot of, a lot of my sound is for, uh, actually every single track that I've produced up until this point for my Ex Machina project is four instruments, maybe five or six on some of them, but it's the same four instruments. And it, I've created a preset that I enjoy the sound. Like I've got a sine wave synth, I've got a Rhodes piano, I've got a guitar and a bass guitar. Mm -hmm. And then I have like maybe like one other um, sound. And then besides that, it's all effects. And I use the same thing in every single track, right? And I just create with just what I have and then it just creates different things and it just builds upon that. Yeah. Um, so the thing of, and this is something that like, yeah, just different creative philosophies. So I'm comfortable in working kind of completely in MIDI. Um, and, and so it's, it's fun to hear that you go like, Oh yeah, I'll like make the thing render it to audio and then fuck with that. Yeah. And, uh, like that's a, that's a really good approach. And it's not that I like am avoiding that approach, but it's just like, I have fun, like being able to just like control everything in MIDI. And so it's like, these are all different. Approaches. So think of it as like a challenge. So, yeah. so that's, that's what I tell people. Cause there's nothing wrong with mm -hmm. creating in just MIDI, mm -hmm. but it's almost like creating a cake or putting a cake together, but not putting it in the oven, mm. right? And so you want to solidify the idea first. Mm -hmm. And so the thing that 
I feel like people don't understand about MIDI is that it still leaves the openness mm. um, and uncertainty of what you've created. So to me, that's good. <laughs> right, right. Which, which is fine. Which is fine. And that's a different approach in music. And there's remember, there's nothing right or wrong with it. Mm. But in my opinion, I think that the the freeness of the MIDI mm. for some people is liberating. Like my my uh, roommate, my sister's uh, husband literally produces only in MIDI. Mm. Uh, and it's pretty sick because like everything that he produces is amazing. I, I don't do that because uh, for me, I enjoy seeing the waveform, but I also do a lot of like heavy edits, like chops right, and exactly. like glitching and things like that. So my process is slightly different, but I also think that, you know, it's, if you can keep the MIDI, but then still render the audio, mm. but keep the MIDI for backup, it still takes you one step further mm. because when something is rendered into audio, you have now a second set of options to right. adjust the audio because MIDI can only take you so far. But when you have the audio rendered out, you can now do all kinds of warping methods mm. that will create even newer sounds. So it's like barring yourself from entering a deeper realm. And I feel if, if you want to expand on the sounds that you are comfortable with and that you know, you have to delve into a territory that's unfamiliar and scary at the same time. Sure, yeah. And I mean, like, uh, and again, it's not like I don't do that because there's definitely instances where I do do that, but it's like, yeah, it's, it's what you're going for. And then, yeah, absolutely. If you're doing glitchy shit, it makes it so much easier right. <laughs> to like have audio rendered you want like a big hard cut on all of your stuff like yeah that's exactly what that's for. exactly yeah and, and it and it gives me so I, I always make it a rule so we mentioned uh steps like certain steps that we go and do mm -hmm. like i have a certain process mm -hmm. and all of my stuff goes through the same process just like when you create a product in a factory it literally goes down the product line chain right mm -hmm. and there's the same process for everything mm -hmm. and so that's what i do with all my music and Rendering audio is the one of the key steps from moving from phase one to phase two for me. Mm -hmm. And so I always make it a rule that before I go to phase two, everything has to be rendered. Mm -hmm. And if it does not end up the way that I want and it's not what I like, it helps me try to produce something that is better, that's out of my comfort zone. And I will say that those moments, so there, there are a lot of times where I'm like, man, this track is so shit, but literally after a week has become my most favorite track ever produced mm. literally within a span of a week, because I found what I didn't like. And then I, put what I did like into it. Mm. And that's what created this product that I never would have thought otherwise. And I feel like everybody should go through that on a regular basis yeah, yeah. all the time. It's like training a muscle. Like you want to be able to train your solidity on your idea mm -hmm. and then adjust from there. Cause if you ever need to go back to MIDI, you can, yeah. but you know, when you have all the audio, it's so easy to like just add a bunch of shit and just like glitch things or just chop it up and have fun with it because it becomes more rhythmic at that point. Cause MIDI, your tails, you can't really see your audio tails, right? Mm. Cause you can see when you press the note, but not when it ends technically. Right. Yeah. And so unless you're doing some heavy automation and compressing and side chaining and stuff, you're going to have frequencies flying all over the place. Mm. And so when you can catch all those frequencies and contain and manipulate every single frequency, mm. you have now taken your music to another level, a deeper level mm. that I think that everybody should experience on a regular basis. Sure. You know, because that's what's going to get you to question your production, mm -hmm. you know, because obviously me producing for 10 years, I could think that my music is shit all the time, mm -hmm. but it will 
only click for me when I can produce enough times and fuck up enough and make enough shitty music to where I'm like, damn, this is nice. Yeah, yeah. You know, you create enough shitty stuff, you create something that's good. Yeah. You know, and I, I firmly believe that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's a funny thing because, again, it's like philosophies. So uh, one reason I enjoy using MIDI a lot is that it stays in kind of this conceptual realm, mm-hmm. right? And so... Uh, Something I love is whenever I'll like make a, a dense like chord pad, right? Like it's like, oh, cool. Here's here's like all these notes that are stacked everywhere. And it's like, all right, throw it on uh, a different instrument or throw it on drums and arpeggiate it. Like, see, like then the ideas are like the the concept remains and then it just becomes something else and sort of like how you were talking about like with ai or or even with uh for example with like tree tone right you'll like you'll have it make stuff that is is part your creativity but also part generative um and this is something i end up talking a lot on the podcast about is like uh the utilizing both ways of creating for me it's like there's my intuitive brain which is just like sort of like you were saying with the sculpture i I always use the the michelangelo is it michelangelo or Raphael uh chiseling away at the marble that isn't the statue right i'm terrible at my right right, it's it's fine i think it's Raphael. um but um yeah chiseling away at the marble that isn't the statue is like this is where my intuition is taking me. And like, I'm just trying to find the statue that is underneath this marble. Uh, but then there's other times where it's just like, I don't know where I'm going and I'm just going to let the, I'm just going to set up these puzzle pieces so that something comes out of it. And so instead of being a, um, you know, a, a super omniscient creator where you're like, yeah, I know where this is going. Yeah. Instead, it's like you're like a clockmaker. You're making a uh, a Rube Goldberg machine and you're just like, all right, I set all this up. Boop. Let's see what happens. Right. And so. That's, and that's a whole other side of production, which yeah, is insane. Yeah. Like for modular guys, you know, they're just literally patching a bunch of shit and then just turning it on and t- twisting knobs. And yeah. it's, yeah, it's like, it's so sick. And that, that side of production, it. It is very um, beautiful in, in in a sense mm. because it's unpredictable. Yeah, yeah, and and that for me is is why I love doing MIDI. And so, like, yeah, uh, there are times where it does call for like, all right, I need to fuck with just audio. but then yeah there's there's so many times where i'm like ooh, what else can be generated yeah from that and i'll do that too like sometimes um you know i'll I'll not render my base midi until maybe the the last part of Mm. the first phase but there will be maybe sometimes like a whole week where i'm just stuck on some of the midi and i'm like okay but i never uh, I, I, I live by the no quantized rule, so I don't quantize anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't quantized in a long time. And I personally believe that nothing should sit on the grid unless you're producing like house music or something that is very structural. Um, even then, like I, I still think that you should stray away from being always like on the mark, on the grid, mm-hmm. um, just because it's less human. Mm-hmm. But I think that also, you know, when, when you get to a point 
where you think that, okay, this, this sounds good. Cause everyone gets to that point that's proficient enough in producing that they, they, even with the MIDI, they're like, all right, I think this is near the final product. Mm-hmm. Right. I think in that moment you can render the song and then take your challenge one more step deeper. Mm-hmm. And I feel that again, even, even if that's not your workflow, you should make it a, um, like make it a step just mm-hmm. to fuck around with because I, I have produced some of the craziest things to me, at least, like that I wouldn't have done until I have warped the audio. Because mm-hmm. some of the, like Ableton's beat warp mode is insanely powerful, right? Mm-hmm. And some of the, some of the times, like you can take like a bass, a bass line and you can stretch the bass line and then reverse it, for example. And it now becomes this insane grungy sound that you can clip up the way that you want. Mm -hmm. And it's something that you wouldn't have done unless you have taken that extra Mm -hmm. step. And, uh, even if it's not like a production style, I feel like everybody should at least experience it Mm -hmm. on a regular basis. And it doesn't have to be for all of your tracks, right? Mm -hmm. Find that one, the lead that you like, and then try to render it to audio and see how many different ways that you can use the audio. Think of it as a color. Right. How many layers deep? <laughs> so I say simplicity and layers uh, is my is my little saying, and so I always stick with a total of five to eight layers total. Well, no, I mean like how many uh, renders deep? So, um, so the farthest that I've gone um, personally is two to three renders mm. per. Uh, so, for example, on Treetone, um, you know, I will render out Treetone. And then the second time I will render out like, um, using Supermassive, for example, or any sort of like frequency adjusting software, I'll automate the initial sound. Yeah. And then the, the third layer, I'll do all of the crazy panning effects, like the spatial mixing. Yeah. And so I always try to do three steps, but nothing over three steps mm-hmm. just because you can go down an insane <laughs> infinite rabbit hole on sound design, to be honest. Right. And I used to suck at sound design, to be honest, like my sound design and my bass were the two weakest points of my production. And then after truly understanding how I can manipulate audio, mm. that's when I learned how to harness those skills. And it helped me a lot. Just being able to just use the simple fade tools, the warp modes and mm-hmm. just create sounds out of just stretching things yeah. like that just created a whole new world of sound design for me. I'm like not very good at creating sounds from synths and, you know, plugins like, you know, I can, I can, I can get to the sound that I want and then eventually render it to audio and then get the sound I want by putting the effects and plugins, you know, whatever on it to get to that point. But I can't always create the sound right off the bat from the actual synth itself, you know? And so I, I take it the easier approach. In my opinion, I think the whole rendering the audio is the shortcut. Uh, and people that live with the MIDI, they're a little bit more advanced than I am because I, I mean, I think that I I just shrugged for for audio (laughs) listeners, which is all of you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think that people that live in the world of MIDI are definitely more advanced because they can anticipate the sound, right? Once you're proficient enough and you do decide to stick with MIDI, you are proficient enough to know, okay, the reverb tails, the effect tails and adjust and, you know, mix your audio a proper way to make it sound good. I, on the other hand, just use a bunch of fading. You know, I just fade things in and out and things, you know, it's just more visual for me. And so I enjoy that process more. And there's no right or wrong answer, but I still think that anyone should expose themselves to the different ways Mm -hmm. of producing so they know what they like. Yeah. What scares you? (sighs) Going deaf. 
<laughs> well, the, sure, the, I was more in like production, <laughs> but like, yeah, actually, yes, yeah, let's I, go down this route. Yeah, so I, I literally, um, so before I would never wear earplugs going to shows. And now I only wear earplugs, yeah. even if I can't hear shit, like I will still wear them and I will just enjoy the vibe of being there. It is not worth losing my hearing in my opinion, because my hearing is my life. Like, yeah. I, and when I mentioned before, happiness to me is producing one track a week. If I can't even do that, mm -hmm. then it's, I mean, it's done. <laughs> it's done. And that's yeah. the biggest thing that scares me is that, you know, if I went deaf and so I try to take care of my hearing, mm -hmm. but but music wise, my other big thing is really like just not producing is what I fear not being able to produce in any way, whether it be because my, uh, my equipment isn't working or me not having the inspiration to do it. Like that's huge. But I've also taken the time to slow down because I feel like when people move too fast and try too hard, they eventually get burnt out, Yeah, which eventually just makes shitty music. Sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, no, about the hearing losses, absolutely. Like, I, I keep earplugs on my literally like, wear keys. earplugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, or if not earplugs, just like my Bluetooth headphones, like it, that attenuates enough. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. Like, take care of your hearing. Uh, how bad is your tinnitus? <laughs> I actually, I, I'm, I'm lucky that my hearing is still good. Okay. Yeah, I just have really bad carpal tunnel. Oh, <laughs> the the trade-off, the trade-off, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like, that's the shitty part, but it's gotten better, I will say. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, no, I, I've i played rock music for many years, and I was also in a marching band. And oh, so yeah, like, so you know. So yeah, no, I might. <laughs> it, it was a really funny thing. One time I, um, I was like, sweeping frequencies right and then i had like a really tight cue and i like found the frequency of my tinnitus oh. that day and i was like whoa like <laughs> that is like the spot yeah yeah <laughs> it's like because <"Ugh." laughs> like i just boosted the frequency that's already in my ears already it's you weird. gotta be careful man like your your hearing is as a musician is everything. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. There are, there are deaf musicians out there that are producing with just vibration and it's honestly pretty crazy cause, it, but it's amazing cause they'll use like a sub pack mm. and they'll produce. No. Yeah. And I, I've seen like, okay, so I'm, I'm going to go even way broader out here. Um, and I, I, one of my favorite podcasts right now is, uh, called feeling good, uh, which is a team CBT podcast, which is a form of psychotherapy. Uh, and, uh, I really enjoy thinking about things in, in that sort of way, but, um, they did a live therapy session with a woman who was like, worried that if she couldn't have kids like she would never be happy and they like dealt with those negative thoughts and um one thing near the end of that podcast was that or during the treatment was that she was okay eventually with the fact that like regardless of if i can't have my own child i can 
find some other way of being a mother, whether it's adopting or surrogacy or whatever it is. Um, and that like really comforted, comforted her. Um, but the therapist was like, Hey, keep in mind that like, this is a lower level, like, I guess, conclusion or like satisfaction or goal, uh, which is like getting what you want and being happy about that as opposed to a higher level solution, which is being okay, not getting what you want. Um, Accepted. <laughs> yes. It's hard. Yes. Um, and so like, and sometimes, you know, especially in like psychotherapy and treatment and stuff, like sometimes the, the lower level solution is fine and it like will reduce depression anyways. Um, but like, the true answer or like not so much true, but like the better answer is like being okay, not getting what you want. And so it's like, if we went deaf, how would we still find satisfaction? And that, that is that I thought about it many times. <laughs> I've, I, I really have. And I'm like, man, if this ever happened, what could I do? And I mean, the simple answer really was, to keep doing it until it happens. Right. No, I mean, literally, because I, I thought, I mean, th th that is the one thing that I always think about because when I go to events and I throw up shows, I mean, sometimes those speaker systems are insane and piercing, yeah, yeah. you know, and like literally feeling like someone's stabbing your ear. Yeah. And I think about it all the time. I'm like, dude, what if I lost my hearing? Like sometimes I would go to a show and I'd forget my earplug and I'd come out barely being able to hear the person next to me. And I'm like, mm -hmm. holy shit, what if this was like permanent? Mm -hmm what would I do? And so I told myself ever, ever since I started thinking about them, like, okay, well I can't control that. Mm -hmm. So the first thing would be to create a body of work that I can be proud of, whether it be visual or audible. And so that's why I've been spending my time creating things around me that I enjoy, even if it's visual or anything really, mm -hmm. because I'm just enjoying it as, as I live. Right. Yeah. And it's for me until I can't anymore. You know, you can only eat food if you're alive and enjoy it while you're still sane, you know, so it's just enjoy what you can do while you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do think that even if I went deaf, uh, I'm not like a real drummer. I have drums in this room right now, but like, I'm, I'm still just like learning. Uh, I would still play drums. Heck yeah. Because like the, the thing about like, most instruments require you listening back to it. Like that feedback changes how you're playing the instrument, playing guitar. I'm a singer primarily. Um, and absolutely like knowing when I'm on pitch or off pitch or like hearing something in the wrong time while singing will like fuck up what perception of note that I'm singing, you know, like that whole thing. Um, and so with drums though you can completely do it off of feel yeah and that's amazing to me like that's one of the more 
like fun and wondrous things that I've enjoyed out of doing drums is that like, I'll be listening to something and I'll like, just, just feel it out. Yeah. yeah. Just do the thing with my body. And like, even if I, it's not making a sound, I'm enjoying the fact that I'm like doing rhythm with my, with your body. Yep. (laughs) It's a good feeling, honestly. And, and that's why even, even now when I say like, I want to just produce as much as I can now, it's again, a point of data to refer back to, right? So if you listen to your one song a hundred times, even if you were listening to it on two volume, you can, you know what the sub feels like, you know, exactly when that kick is going to come in, that snare is going to come in that hi hat, every bit of it, you know, so if anything, God forbid, were to happen, then you still have a point of data to refer from. Yeah. And that's why I produce and listen to my music. 95% 95% of the time I'm always listening to my music because I'm just, just really digesting what I created mm. over and over and over again. So then I know it like the back of my hand. Yeah. So now it's crazy, but tree tone is generative, right? Yeah. And so what I, what's so funny is that any track of mine, if you were to play the first three seconds of it, I can tell you what tracks, what track name it is because of the tree tone sounds. Mm. I've, I've gotten to that point because I've listened to it over and over and over. I know exactly where each little ding mm. sound is and the succession of it. Mm. And I can tell exactly which track that is. And to me, that's how I know I studied my data. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I was just like, I had a thought. And then I'm, I'm blanking on it. Uh, so you say words now. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, totally. I know we were talking about, uh, goals a while ago for 2023. Yes, yes, I forgot to ask you. Your no, goals. no. So, uh, so my goal is really this year. It's honestly a lot more simple than last year's last year's was learn how to mix and master this, this year for me is learning how to, uh, cook more things. <laughs> yeah. So I actually purchased, um, and got some, uh, cooking, uh, cookbooks for Christmas and I've been just going through and learning. I got like a few actually, and I've been just reading all of them mm-hmm. just to get better at, yeah. at creating a different kind of art form. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that food and creating food and sharing it is in a sense like music, Absolutely. you know, you're orchestrating a meal. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, that in itself was pretty fun and more accessible to me. So I've been just trying to learn how to do that and just doing that as often as I can now. Uh, but yeah, that's my goal for 2023 is to learn how to cook more stuff and not have to refer to cookbooks all the time. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, and that's the like the improvisatory nature of it. Like the more the better you get at like cooking, the more you're just like, oh, yeah, I remember what that is but I didn't like their portions or whatever. I didn't like, yeah, yeah. And so it's like, oh, I'm going to like, you know, throw in a handful more chili powder or something. You literally, know, like, yeah. literally. Yeah. <laughs> no, I feel, it feels good just being the master in your own kitchen, right. the being the master chef. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then something else that I think about is that like, so uh, we are consistently making stuff and especially for you with like your, you know, make a thing a week challenge. It's like, it's, it's a lot to go through if, if, you know, it really is. I mean, but, but I always tell everybody, if you have a process down, 
use it. So use templates, mm -hmm. use the same five synths that you always use, use the same drum samples because you don't change out the drummer every freaking track, right? right. You have the same guy, same drum set. You got maybe three different guitar pedals. Okay. Three different effects. Mm -hmm. Cool. But everything is nearly the same, right? So stick to the same things. And if you're your own band, everyone can congregate. You can congregate yourself and create some stuff right. all the time. So much easier, yeah. you know? And if you learn how to be, um, or learn how to let go, the art of letting go, mm -hmm. you will then learn how you can start to create more things easier. Yeah, yeah. You know, because again, you're at that point, you're just thinking of things as color, so you're just painting things. Yeah. So actually, that reminds me of something. And I, well, first, let me make the point I was moving towards earlier, which is uh, if you are just creating all of the time, it can feel like that well is going to run dry. And so it's like, you have to do things other than music. Yes. In order to yes. like keep replenishing that well, like we need other experiences. So they're like, and especially for me as a songwriter, like, Oh, I'm like telling stories and finding different perspectives. You need an input yeah, from, yeah. from the external world. Yeah. And so like having experiences will help shape the like, Oh, right. Like now that I had this experience, this is something that I can say that I never would have thought that I could say in this way before. And so you have to have new experiences. And so like exactly. learning a new skill, like, oh, getting better at cooking is absolutely going to inform your music. Yeah, 100%. And, and I firmly believe that too. Like everything that you do, and this is a, another thing that I briefly mentioned on one, uh, one of my episodes on my podcast is that everything, you have to think of creativity and your end goal right? You have to see where you're at and then see the end goal, envision mm -hmm. it. And then envision 200 different stair steps mm -hmm. or ladders to get there. It's like snakes and ladders, right? Mm -hmm. You have to, to find your path. You can go up one set of stairs, but then you realize on that floor that there's six other stairs going six other directions. But in the end, you see they're all rising to the same place. Mm -hmm. And so you have to take creativity as a whole, everything that you do. So whether it's cooking, whether it's even watching TV or YouTube, mm -hmm. you know, all of that is feeding the inspiration that's building. And I get to those points where I feel drained, right? So those are the weeks that I skip. Like I don't mm -hmm. do like one whole track because I know that I'm not feeling good and I know that I can't think of anything and I know I don't want to force it. And yeah. so now I've been doing what I call, uh, or I don't really call it anything. I just force myself to not produce because mm -hmm. When you get to uh, 11 years, like I am, you know, you literally, it's like drinking water, eating food. Like if you don't produce music, I get extremely depressed, right? So mm -hmm. I start to get agitated. I get, my mood starts to dysregulate mm -hmm. and I, I'm not the, like the same person. I feel like <laughs> if I can't sure. get the creative juices flowing. And so there are times where when I am drained, I force myself to stop mm -hmm. and I will not produce. Like I will tell myself, I'm not going to touch Ableton until eight o'clock tonight yeah. and I'll force myself because it's always there. You know, I work from home sometimes too, and it's like always there, mm -hmm. you know, and I can easily start producing, but sometimes I force myself to not, and that kind of builds up that inspiration. I'm like, all right, cool, cool. All right. And, and it gets to a point where I'm like, all right, I can actually sit down for like an hour or two and then do what I need. And because I have a, a strict process of how I make my sounds, I know where in that process I need to jump back into. Mm -hmm. So that's again, aligning yourself with your data points, knowing your process, knowing your sound, knowing what you're doing. And once you get to a point, you know where you are in your process of producing music. Yeah. You know, and then you can output 
more tracks every week. Yeah. Uh, and that's awesome. Uh, so yeah, the other thing where my brain took me is that, um, because I've been working on this album for so long, uh, and being like extremely meticulous about it. One of my other goals that it, it actually became a goal last year, but like one of my other goals is to like, is to let go. And it's like, man, so, uh, during, uh, when I was in power cycle, which was like 2017 to 2019, I think, um, it was a electronic trio, uh, that like three composers we would improvise. Um, and everything with power cycle was just like make something and throw it out there because we would have to like put on a concert of new music every month. Um, and so like it became so easy to just like make something, let go and just like improvise it, throw it to the wind and like, just be happy with it. Um, and on the opposite side of that spectrum, I've been working on this album, making sure that every like detail is like exactly where I want it to be. But then it's like, all right, I need to like, so then let me I need to this. go back to that. Just like, all right, let me just make some stuff, throw it out. Exactly. So then let me ask you this. So would you say the first or the oldest track on this album, would you say that that encompasses your current sound? Well, it's, it's funny because it like, it encompasses both. Okay. Yeah. And so there's the, the parts of it that are me from back then, right? Whether it's the lyrics or the notes or the melody or whatever it is, but then it's like my current, like musical nuances, my current, uh, like production style, my current, like arranging. And so it is like I'm collaborating with a past self. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually a pretty interesting way of thinking about it but that's i mean yeah i mean like so okay so how how old is your oldest track on there <laughs> um technically the first thing i ever wrote is on this album oh nice um, <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to remember what year this was it might be like mm, 2011 or 2010 wow, okay um, okay and I'll, I'll tell you what it is. It's, it's a track called Replacement. And I was, uh, my dad works in air conditioning. <laughs> I was on the roof of Lee's Sandwiches. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, working on their AC. And it was like really noisy, like something wasn't working. Uh, and so I wrote this just like little melody and I was like hearing the pitch of the the air conditioning. And I was just like, Hmm. And so like I found the pitch and I just like wrote a little melody that was kind of from the point of view of the AC unit. Uh, <laughs> of like, That's great. I messed up now and you have to replace me. Like, and sort of the, the sadness of like, I'm trying really hard to do the thing I'm supposed to do, but like I can't anymore. Uh, and there's like a really, you know, it's, it's a powerful sorrow in that's that. Great. That's great. But it's also air conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and that was like the first like song thing I ever like put to like memory or like I wrote it down or whatever. Um, Did you use like a DAW to record it or? Well, at the time I was on the roof of a Lee sandwich. I think I did a, 
I don't know if I did like a voice memo on my phone or if I just like wrote it down. Uh, I used to carry like a little notebook with me to like write down ideas. Um, so maybe it wasn't that, I don't know where that thing is now, (laughs) (laughs) but like over the years I've tried adding more to it. I've tried like putting more chords to this progression. I've tried like putting more lyrics to it. And every time I would try, I would be like, no, it's not, it's not working. And so it, it like keeps reducing itself back down to this like core idea. And like, yeah, I've definitely added layers of complexity to it now, which is like from my current sensibilities, but like the core idea is still just this like short phrase. uh, And that's like what it has been the entire time. (laughs) That's awesome. 2011. That's, that's forever ago. I, I think I don't. I don't even know <laughs> how many tracks are you gonna drop on this album? Thirteen. Nice. <laughs> I'm insane. Hey, that's honestly as long as you hit ten. I think. Uh, sure, sure. You know, there there are some people that I know that are trying to drop like 20, 30, 40 track albums, and I'm like, bro, no one's gonna listen to past twelve, fifteen. Sure. Oh well, I mean, I acknowledge that no one's probably gonna listen past the first like six or seven which is why i like front load it with like the catchy songs the catchy ones (laughs) hey man i'm so here's here's a crazy thing i noticed so when i started to do my youtube live jam videos Mm -hmm. i noticed that the track that i did the live jam video of that week boosted to my spotify top Mm -hmm. every time and so what i've noticed is that uh, and everybody that runs, most people that run a label will tell you this, but your marketing doesn't end when the song comes out, right? Mm. It actually, that's when it should start, right? And it should last for about a year after that. Mm. And so you should be posting anything that you can. So I always, whenever I create a new track and release it, I'll try to um, tag three different kinds of videos or pieces of ideas or content, if you will, mm-hmm. relating to that piece, because I have to find a way to share it, obviously. Yeah. And it has to be organic because I, I'm not the kind of guy that's like, yo, go follow me here or there, you know, and yeah, check do. it out. <laughs> yeah, really. It, it, to me, it just feels not organic. And so what I'll do is I'll just put out a bunch of stuff of me being in my element. Mm-hmm. Right. And then people just kind of come by. Like, I think that's also what's so liberating about pre- uh, actually performing my dark lo-fi glitch live is that again, there's no expectation. Mm-hmm. No one's like, oh yeah, you got to keep the night going with heavy techno or whatever. It's, it's literally just, you go up, you do your shit. People enjoy it. They're confused half the time and they're in awe and they're intrigued Mm -hmm. and then you leave, Yeah, you know? And, and to me, that is so much more fun. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's honestly, it's been the the last 11 years, I will say has been a roller coaster, Mm. good and bad, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't take anything back for any of that. You know, because it, it to, to me, all of the failures is what made me what I am now. All of the rejection. You have to go out there looking for the, the nose, the, the rejection, the failure. You have to be the guy that's like, okay, tell me that my track is shit. Tell me yeah, yeah. that you don't like it. Tell me that because I need to know. I, I, I personally don't like when people are like, yeah, this sounds great. You know, it's like, okay, I appreciate it, but like – is it really that great? And, and and that's how I was for the longest time until I found my sound. Mm. Now I don't care. You know, now it's like, 
I, I mean, I care to an extent where I'm like, okay, this is how you interpret my song. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, there have been times where I have a track on my album, right? That I share with somebody and they're like, I don't understand it, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and to them, it's something that's so far off. Mm-hmm. Right. But then I'll show somebody else that same track and they're like, holy shit, this is the craziest thing ever. Yeah. But then I'll show the person that didn't like it again after maybe a month and like, holy fuck, what is this? And that made me realize that just like people, their taste is always going to change, right? There's nothing that's ever stagnant. If somebody doesn't understand it at first, they will eventually understand it. And so I have seen the sound grow on people too. And so it's like, if somebody doesn't like it, dude, that is good news. I think that's like the best news. Like if somebody tells you that they don't like something, that is probably some of the best news. That That is better news than if somebody was like, dude, this is fire. Mm-hmm. I would rather somebody tell me why something is shit. Yeah. So then I can make something that's insanely better. Yeah. Or something that leans into the specific thing that they didn't like. Exactly. Yeah. A hundred percent. And then you start to get people out of the woodworks that enjoy that even more. Right. Then you get to find the weirdos that are like you. And I think that's what the whole goal is to find that organic group of people that are like you, that enjoy the sound mm-hmm. like you, you know? And so I think it's, it's a constant journey and the destination should never be the goal. Mm-hmm. I think even when producing, it's just, you always just want to just do it for therapy. I produce as meditation, like I said before, my mood dysregulates whenever I don't. And so when I do produce music, it makes me feel better. Sometimes when I'm feeling really shitty, I'll throw on one of my tracks and just listen for maybe like 20 minutes and I'll just vibe, Mm -hmm. sit there in silence and just listen. And I can literally feel like the energy, bad energy transferring out of me. And like, like my hair on my arms are chilling out and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, I could feel it. And I feel like everybody should find that thing. Mm-hmm. It has to be something obviously positive. And I, if it's creative, it's even better because then you're able to create something for somebody else if they need that, yeah. you know? And so it's very powerful, man. Yeah. Uh, normalize listening to your own shit and vibing out with it. All right. Uh, <laughs> I forgot to tell you to plug your stuff at the end of the last podcast and so i'm going to ask you to do that now and this will go at the end of both of them (laughs) okay okay uh yeah so uh one thank you for doing this with me where can people find you and your things yes thank you for having me uh you can find all of my stuff at my website distantether.com or you can find it on spotify apple music pretty much all the streaming sites but check me out on youtube i have all kinds of content on there as far as breakdown videos of all of the tracks that i've released so far i have live jam videos i've got uh breakdown videos of my setup also how i create cassette tapes so there's just all kinds of stuff even my podcast episodes are uploaded on my youtube channel uh low fidelity dreams so just check out ex machina e-x-m-a-x H-I-N-A on pretty much Google or anywhere and you will find me. So let me know what you guys think about that sound for real. Yeah. Um, yeah. For, uh, this has been such a pleasure just nerding out about music and production and all of that. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Really. Yes. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm Santiago Ramones. I am Armand or Ex Machina. Uh, what track is playing at the end of this? So what track is playing at the end of this? We are going to play. Oh, 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 that is a good question. 
Well, let's let's do one that like doesn't get enough love that you're like, oh, I'm so proud of this one. Like make this one bump. Oh, okay. So this one, Princess Parking on my last album. Beautiful vocals by Mitzi. Check it out. This was a production that we did literally from hundreds of miles away. And it became one of the coolest pieces that I've made so far. I think you'll love it. Awesome.
You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music and produce audio. The music you're hearing now is music I made. You can listen to official releases by Santiago Ramones on Spotify, Apple Music, and the other streaming places. Or you can support me directly by buying my music on Bandcamp. I'm working on Hypothetical, my first singer-songwriter album. So if you'd like to hear that at some point, I'm so close, I promise. There are lots of ways to support me on my website. There's a Discord server in which we discuss deep topics from the podcast, but it's also a community of beautiful human beings. All the links to these things are on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. Please take a moment to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts if you listen there. It means a lot to me to hear what you have to say about it, and you're helping me without having to spend a single cent on me. I want to help the world have deeper conversations. So thank you for listening to and supporting BitDepth. I was in the podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are love never fails. It's going to be okay. I might be wrong. 